This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. It's an honor to be here with you this morning. When I was in high school, um, I went with a group of guys. We went to Colorado and we were going to go skiing. And you know every group of guys has that one guy. You, you know what I'm talking about? That one guy. The one guy who can do everything um, and he is just good at it all. Well, in case you're wondering, I wasn't that guy. Um, I played a few sports, but I failed at most of them, so I stuck to what I knew. It just so happened, though, that skiing was my one thing, my one trick up the sleeve that I had going for me. And so all our buddies, we went to Colorado, we're getting ready to go ski, and we take that one guy who happened to have never been skiing in his life. And we get on, this, on the uh, ramp that goes up, the, whatever it's called. We're going up the ski lift, we're going up the mountain, and we decided, you know what, let's just stay on and let's go a little higher. So we went to the very, 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 very top of the mountain. To the Black Diamond, which is the steepest slope down the hill. We figured, you know, he deserved it after all that he had put us through in our time. And so we get to the top of the mountain and we say, you good? And he goes, I think I'll figure it out. Um, famous last words ever, right? So the thing about skiing is this, if you want to slow down or you want to stop, you need to go from side to side, side to side. But if you don't know how to turn, that's a problem. Given that this was his first experience, he tried for about 10 minutes to go side to side, but he couldn't get his skis in the right direction. So finally he made up his mind and decided, forget this side to side stuff, I'm just gonna go straight down the mountain. And so he buckled in, and I'll, I'll never forget just watching him. He got ready. He crouched in his position. Here he goes. And he took off straight down the mountain. Now, that sounds like a great idea when you're at the top of the mountain. But when you get to the bottom, where the ski resort is, made of a completely steel structure, that's a terrible idea. And so at the very last second, one of the guys gets a bright idea. We need to literally save that guy's life. And so at the last second, he skis right into him as hard as he possibly could so that he could break his fall before hitting the building. And that's the story of the time that one guy broke bones. Ended up in the hospital with broken bones and spent the rest of the weekend in the hotel on pain meds. Now, I learned a very, very, very valuable lesson at that point in my life. And that lesson was this. When you forego preparation, you miss out on the opportunity of the moment. For the rest of the weekend, picture this. You spend hundreds of dollars and drive several hours to go to Colorado, only to sit in the hotel all weekend long, rack up medical bills while your buddies go have a good time. Now, see, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? But what would a little bit of preparation do in the long run? How many benefits, what reward would come from preparing what a great weekend he could have had? You know, in life, the more we prepare, the more we expect in life, and the, the more we prepare for the things that we expect in life, the greater the outcome, the greater the benefits, the greater the rewards, the greater the blessing. And it doesn't matter how bad you want something. What we all learn along the way at some point in our lives is this. It doesn't matter how bad you want something. If you don't prepare for it, you will never achieve it to its fullest potential. 
If you don't prepare for it, you won't be ready to see it when it's standing right in front of you or be able to reach out and receive it when somebody is handing it to you. So a couple years into my marriage, I got a brilliant idea. Let's take my wife skiing. Let's show her I do actually have one, maybe only one athletic bone in my body. And so I took her to Colorado and uh, I wised up a little bit and we didn't go to the top of the mountain. I, I knew that I still needed to be married at the end of this uh, weekend away. So we got ready. And here's the thing. Um, my wife had never been skiing before. And the thing about it is I, I started to get concerned because she cared more about how she looked than the skill it would take to get going down the mountain. When she saw the boots that you put in the ski, I was afraid she was going to ask, do they have high heels that go with that? And after about an hour and a half of taking 150 pictures for Facebook and Instagram to show that we were skiing down the mountain, although we had never been skiing down the mountain yet, we finally got to a place where we were ready to get on the lift. And so I walk my wife over and we're getting ready to go. And she goes, I want to go there. And I said, oh, honey, I I'm so sorry. I know you've never done this before. And, um, but that's the bunny hill. And the bunny hill is where they take all the four and five-year-olds who have never skied before and they ski down it and that's where they learn to ski. We're, we're going up the mountain. And she goes, no, I'm going there. Now, men in the room, you know, right? If your wife says she's not ready, it means she's not ready. Don't get in the car. Don't turn it on. Don't wait in the driveway. We're not ready. And so we went up to the bunny hill, nonetheless, and we're going down for about one, two, three, about 4,500 times. And about the time I get tired of the four and five-year-olds passing me and being better at it than me, I make the decision to tell my wife, it's time, it's time to go. And she looked at me square in the eyes and says, I'm not ready. And I remember that feeling in the moment of, okay, she's not ready. And so we did it a few more times. And eventually she looked at me and she said, honey, I am ready. And we, we got on the ski lift, we went to the top of the mountain and sure enough, she skied down flawlessly, she didn't fall, and she was the best looking person on that mountaintop. <laughs> and we're going down the mountain and it all works out. Why? I learned the same lesson, only a different way on the very same mountain. Here's what I learned. That when you prepare, it pays off when the opportunity comes your way. When God sends blessings and things that are coming your way, the more prepared you are for the expectation for God to do something great, the greater the reward, the greater the enjoyment of the ride while you're there, the greater the enjoyment of the blessing when God hands it to you. So this morning I've titled our message, Prepare to be Blessed. Pastor Allen is in a series called uh, Being Blessed and, and Living a Blessed Life. And so what I've learned and, and discovered and studied is, is there are really three kinds of people. There's the kind of person who prepares for the worst. Everything they do, they're preparing for the worst to happen. Now, I don't know if you read in the news this week, there was an article of a Dutch family. This Dutch family had uh, six kids, age 16 to 25. And for the last nine years of their life, they have been living in a cellar in the Netherlands on their family's property, preparing for the end of the world. Can you imagine with me for just one second, the conversation that took place, this guy actually got out and the first place he actually happened to go to was a bar. And he walks into the bar and he says, uh, my family, we've been hiding out for nine years. The police go and they investigate the whole situation. 
But can you imagine with me for a minute? Maybe you're not that crazy. Maybe you don't prepare for the worst that much. Maybe you wouldn't put your family in a prison for nine years. But let me ask you this. What about your mind? What about your mind? Has your mind been living in a prison of assuming the worst in any and every situation that comes your way? When you wake up, is it a challenge to fight off the thoughts and the attacks in your mind that assumes that only bad things are coming your way? You see, it has this way of growing up an anxiousness inside of our our gut that assumes that it's probably not going to work out for me because it's never worked out for my family. I, I probably won't get picked for the promotion because I've never been that guy. And if we're not careful, our thoughts can lead us on this path to a place where we may as well be the family living in a cellar underground, preparing for the worst. If it's not your thoughts, it's not your mind, maybe it's your mouth. Maybe there are some things that come across. I find myself saying some things sometimes. Some things that seem to just come up easy, but they're not actually what I believe. You see, it's really easy to say, I always get sick this time of year. It always happens to me. It's really easy to say, you know, my family, they really are a mess because to be honest, sometimes they really are a mess. And so we find ourselves in these situations in life where our mind and our thoughts lead us to preparing our lives for the worst. And the problem is this, the more we prepare for the worst, the people who prepare for the worst are often the ones who experience the worst. There's two passages of scriptures. One's in Proverbs chapter 18. It says this, you've probably heard it. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who, who, who live off the words that they speak, they'll, they'll begin to eat the fruit. In other words, the, the effects in their life begin to happen because they're eating their words. There's another passage of scripture in Luke chapter six, the end of it in verse 46, it says, 45, it says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. Maybe you've said something at one point in your life and you're like, where did that come from? Why am I speaking this? I know that's not full of faith. And what we find is that if we're not careful, out of the abundance of our heart, we will, we will begin to see the things in our life come to pass, whether in our mouth or in our mind with thoughts, And we never want to be the person who prepares for the worst in life. If you're not the kind of person who prepares for the worst, maybe you're the kind of person who prepares for nothing. Literally prepares for nothing. You know, if you're the kind of person in the room right now who when somebody shows up to a meeting really, really late, your blood boils, okay, this isn't you, okay? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, this person is probably you. It's the kind of mentality that walks about life saying, I'll just go where the wind takes me. I'll just, I'll just get to the end and I'll see where we'll be and we'll do what we'll do and, and it is what it is. That kind of mentality in life doesn't get you far because when you prepare for things, that's when you begin to see success. So we moved here in 2017, my wife and I, two months before Hurricane Harvey. We were in the office and uh, the buzz started happening. There's a hurricane coming. There's a hurricane coming. Never lived in a hurricane. I grew up in the Midwest. And uh, about two days, you know, I'd be, I'd be looking out my office window and it's perfectly sunny. It's 95 degrees and it's hotter than anything. And I'm just wondering, like, what are these people on? Like, 
this Houston people, there's something wrong with them. There's not a hurricane. Like, look, it's sunny. After it raining for two straight days, my wife and I got to talking and we said, you know what? We should probably go to the grocery store. I mean, they're starting to shut down Chick-fil-A and Starbucks. I don't know what we're going to do. And so we made up our minds and we go to H-E-B and we walk into H-E-B. Y'all are crazy. There's not a single thing on any shelf. No bread, no milk, no water bottles, nothing. So we walk over, we grab some donuts and some ding-dongs and some chips. We go home and we sit in our dark house with no power for four days eating ding-dongs, chips, and ice cream. Here's the thing. We had no idea there was anything to prepare for. And even if we would have, we didn't know how to prepare. You know, in life, here's the thing. Most of us find ourselves in different situations of our life. I had no idea I needed to prepare for this. I didn't know my family was going to go through this. I didn't know I was going to have to work at this a little bit. I didn't have the expectation that anything was going to happen, that I needed to have my hands wrapped around the Lord so that in order to get through it, I would have everything I needed. I never want to be again the person who's caught in the midst of a storm preparing for nothing when everything's happening outside. Because the people who prepare for nothing are the people who often miss out on everything. You know, um, the third kind of person is the kind of person who I admire. It's the kind of person you look at their life and you say, man, there is just something different about them. There's a glow to their life. There's a peace in their life. Man, when I look at their life, just with my worldly eyes, I would say, man, they got it going on. There are some things about them that are just different. They always get stuff. Their life looks like it's all together from the outside. And I know they do probably have their problems behind closed doors. But from my vantage point, it looks like things are looking up for them. It's the kind of person I believe that when we come to church and we study God's word, it's the kind of person who takes it to heart. This third kind of person is the person who prepares with their life to be blessed. The kind of person who says, I know that God has good things in store. I sing that God is great and he's good and he heals and he takes care and he provides. But I'm not just going to be the kind of person who talks about it. I'm going to be the kind of person who prepares to see every bit of what I hear on Sunday happen on Monday morning. I'm going to be the kind of person who prepares for whatever God wants to give me, I will be ready to take. Title of today's message is Prepare to be Blessed. God wants to bless you. We serve a God who loves to give good gifts of life and peace and joy. God who wants to bless you so bad that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that you could have life. And the willingness that we have within us to expand our capacity to hold more of the blessings of God, the more we are going to see the fruit the rewards, the blessing, the provision in our life. I want to do something they tell you never to do in Bible school. I want to share five books of the Bible with you all at one time in five minutes. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Good, I got it right. Okay. Um, the first five books of the Bible, we're going to go as fast as we can, but here's what I want to start with. The first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, we read the story of Adam and Eve. 
God blesses them. And all of a sudden things start to go wrong. And for the next 11 chapters, we read through all kinds of mess ups, people dying, the flood, Noah and the ark. And we get to Genesis chapter 12 and God says this in verse one. He says to a man named Abram, who's, who you probably know, his name is Abraham. God changed his name. In verse one, here's what it says. Now the Lord God said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family. You ever wish God would tell you to get away from those crazy people? And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken and Lot went with him. God shows up on the scene in Abraham's life. He intervenes in Abraham's life and says, Abraham, I got news for you. I'm going to bless you. Would you like that? Abraham says, yes, I would like that very much. And here's the reality. God says, Abraham, I'm not just going to bless you a little bit. He says, I'm gonna bless you so greatly. I'm gonna pour out such a blessing on your life that everybody around you, nations all over the world, generation after generation are gonna feel the effects of the blessing and receive it because of how much I'm gonna bless you. Now you come to church and you're like, um, sign me up for that one, please. Please, Lord. One of the major themes of the Bible, it's really easy to get tripped up. It's really easy to look at your Bible and think that's a couple thousand pages of stuff I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff in there. How do I, I don't really understand it all. It's actually very simple. One of the major themes of the Bible is this, the God of the universe, the God who created it all, the God who owns it all wants to bless your life. And thousands of pages of scripture are spent with people who are trying to figure out how do I get a hold of that blessing in my life? How do I keep that blessing in my life so it doesn't run away on me? How do I live my life in a way that makes the most of that blessing? See, it's not as complicated. It's full of a bunch of people like you and me who are trying to figure out how do we get our hands on all that God intended for us to have our hands on? But you see, the blessing comes and God says, Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and all your family and all the way on down. And eventually what begins to happen is we, we move over to the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, we find the Israelites who are Abraham's children and descendants, they find themselves in slavery. They're in Egypt. You've heard the story of Pharaoh in Egypt and the plagues. And, and they're in Egypt in slavery, looking at God saying, where's that blessing you were talking about? Didn't you have plans for us? Weren't things supposed to look better than this? And they get to a place where they're a little fed up. And then God does something. He intervenes to remind them that he still wants to bless them. And he sends a guy named Moses. And Moses comes to deliver the people. And in, Moses, or, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 6, here's what we read. Moses reported this, the covenant blessing, the promise to the Israelites. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their hard labor. God sends a man, he calls a man in a burning bush nonetheless, and he sends him to deliver the people. And when he gets there and says, I'm here, let's go. 
all of a sudden, everybody looks at him and says, what? That's not really what we were hoping for. This isn't what we had in mind. And the Bible says that they weren't listening. They weren't listening. They weren't ready for God to pour out his blessing on their life. They were preparing for the worst. But you know what God does? And only a way that God could do, he delivers them anyway. He pulls them out. And now they're wandering around in the wilderness, following this guy named Moses, who they weren't too sure about to begin with. And they're wandering out the wilderness saying, Moses, I thought you said good stuff was coming. Moses, I thought you said we were finally going to get to go to the promised land. Now, I don't know about you, but this desert doesn't look like what I had in mind. And if you can imagine your children, amplified times a million people, complaining on the road trip, saying, God, this isn't what we're looking for. God, this isn't a blessing. This, this feels like a mess. They begin to complain and grumble. In fact, they complain and grumble so much that they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and they don't ever get to step foot into the blessing that God had already given them and promised. Why? Because they weren't prepared to take all that God had for them. So Moses in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, they're getting ready to enter into the promised land into the sixth book of the Bible, Joshua. They're getting ready. All the descendants, all their children get to go into the blessing and they're standing before their kids saying, hey guys, we went to the school of hard knocks. We learned a few things along the way. We might not have prepared the way we should, so please don't be guilty. Please don't be guilty of the thing we forgot to do. And in De Deuteronomy chapter 28, we read one of the most famous passages of scripture about the blessing of God. And here's what it says in verse one, verse one and two. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set high above the nations and all the earth. All of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are in fact called by the name of the Lord, and they will see you and be afraid of you. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and you are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left or go after any other gods and serve them. It's a powerful passage that says this, prepare for the blessings of God in your life. The challenge I have for you this morning, if you're taking notes or typing it on your phone or storing it in your memory, prepare to say yes. Prepare to say yes. If you have an area of your life that you are looking to see the provision and the blessing of God in, your family, at work, in a strained relationship, with your children, with your finances, with the peace inside of your heart, it starts when you prepare for the blessing of God by saying yes to the things of God in your life. 
the first thing Abraham, God said to Abraham was this. He said, I want you to pick up your stuff and I want you to move. And I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do some great things. And Abraham had to make a choice in the moment to say yes to the things of God. And the Bible actually says this, that he got to a place where he arose early in the morning. For those of you who wake up at 10 a.m., that's not early. Abraham got up at about 5 a.m. the next day and said, I'm going, God, where you're sending me. He put himself in a position to be blessed. He prepared himself to be blessed by being as close to God as he possibly could be. He positionally aligned himself with the Lord. There's a phrase that people use, and it goes like this. They say, you know, sometimes I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of person who happens to be in the right place at the right time sometimes. I want to be the kind of person who is in the right place at the right time because I put myself in the right place at the right time so that I can have God's blessings all the time. Here's the thing. He wants to pour out his blessing on your life. When you say yes, you're preparing your heart for all that he has for you. In the last passage in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he says this, if you will obey the commandments of the Lord, if you will do what he's asked, his instructions, his commandments, then he will bless you in ways that you've been looking for, in ways you didn't even know about. I want to tell you a story really quickly. When I was uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, my wife and I lived there for a couple of years in the Midwest and we bought a house and we had fixed it up for about three months and we had been living in it for three months. Anybody who's going to buy a house for only six months would never do that if they knew they were going to move. One night, my wife and I were praying and talking. We just had begun to sense in our heart that the Lord was speaking to us to move, to do some different things. We wanted to go back to school, and we know that the Lord was providing that. But it was going to cost thousands of dollars. We owned a house. We'd only been there for six months. We just didn't really know what to do. I had to get to a place in my heart, though, And I remember sitting in my bed one night saying, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I'm not really sure who's paying for all this. God, I'm not really sure I have the strength or the faith to do what you're asking me to do, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And it's at that yes, and at that point of our lives like Abraham did, when we follow the commandments and obedience to the Lord, he is able to bless you in ways. We put our house on the market. And our house sold within 12 hours for double the amount of money we ever invested in it. That money paid for all of my seminary. And for the next year and a half, we lived completely rent-free because God blessed somebody to bless us. And we came out of seminary, both my wife and I, completely debt-free. Why? Because when you say yes to the things of God, his blessings always follow. I'm not saying pick up. I'm not saying pick up and move. I'm saying do what God has called you to do. If there's an area of your life this morning, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If there's an area of your life this morning where you know the Lord is asking you to be obedient, to say yes, to take a step of faith, to listen, maybe even to just a scripture that you've read that you know God is saying, I need you to put this into play in your life. Then this morning is for you to surrender your life to the Lord and say, God, I'm gonna prepare for the blessings that you have given me from before time began. And today I wanna take it all because I wanna be as close to you as I can possibly be. If you're in this room this morning, you've never said yes to Jesus. 
but you know it's time. It's like Moses standing before the Israelites saying, the time is now. There's no greater time to be blessed. If that's you this morning, or maybe you've been distant from the Lord, some things have been going on in your life and you know you've been doing everything but preparing. You're tired of preparing for nothing. You're tired of preparing for the worst and you wanna come back to God. Then we wanna give you an opportunity this morning. I want you to just slip up your hands and we wanna pray for you. If, if you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time or you're ready to come back to him and prepare for all he has, will you just slip up your hands because we wanna pray for you. Thank you, we see your hands. Thank you in the back, we see your hands. Thank you, thank you. Let's pray. Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead. So right now, I confess you as my Lord and as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven and I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. I wanna pray a prayer blessing over you. God, I thank you for every person in the room. I ask, Lord, that you would help them as they prepare their lives, a life of obedience, a life of saying yes, so that they could receive all the blessing that you have for them. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.